So here's Naomi. She's got Orpah and Ruth. All the men are gone. Okay, they're just flat gone. Ain't no guys in the house no more. Just three women. And Naomi's thinking, you know, heck, this is, this is ridiculous. I'm over here in Moab with all these perverts, you know. Don't have a man no more, and I'm an old woman. I got these two gals with me, and, you know, I can't do anything for these gals. My boys are dead. I mean, think about it. She was pretty devastated. I mean, she was in a devastated place. So she says, hey, I'm going home. I'm going back over there. I'd be better off with my own people, you know, messed up than over here with you guys messed up because you all way messed up, you know. I'd rather be messed up with people at least were trying to follow the Lord than messed up with a bunch of, you know, heathen. So what she does, she heads home, and uh, old Orpah, who was a good gal, just said, I, you know, I don't want to go with you. So she kissed Orpah goodbye. You know, goodbye, Orpah. We'll see you later. Lord bless you. I mean, nothing wrong with Orpah. It's just it's time for Orpah's plot and the story to come to the end. And, and that's what happens in churches. God brings Orpahs into churches. And he was saying, you know, those Orpahs, when it's time for them to go, you just need to kiss them goodbye and tell them goodbye. You know, they ain't done anything wrong. It's just their, their part in this story is over. Let them go. Bless them. God speaks to you in different, you know, different ways about stuff. I mean, that's how He speaks to me. But then there's this gal, Ruth, who said, I'm not going back. I'm going with you. Wherever you, I'm going. You know, the famous verse we use in marriages, wherever you go, I'll go. Your people will be my people. My, your God will be my God. So you've got to have some Ruth. You know, Naomi needs a Ruth. And think about it. Think about it. So they head home, and, and Naomi came back mad. You know, don't be calling me that. I went out full and came back empty. Call me more bitter. Call me bitter. I'm just flat bitter. I've lost everything. And, but she's here stuck with Ruth. Okay? This girl. And uh, this is what the Lord showed me about Ruth. About, I'm talking about a good and noble heart right now. Are you all with me? I ain't left this yet. But in verse 11 of Ruth 2, if you want to turn there, you can. Um, Joshua judges Ruth. That's where it's at. Okay? Joshua judges Ruth. That's after all the books of Moses. You know? Then Joshua comes on, and the judges, and then Ruth's sort of thrown in there. But in verse 11 of 2, this is after some things happened to her life. And all I want to do is just read this because it really speaks of what a good and noble heart is. Okay? Of what kind of heart God wants from us, what God wants us to have. And I think God gives us by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not something we generate. None of this stuff is by anything we do. It's all about Him. It's about God's life in us. It's just us giving God a chance to let this thing happen in our life. But this is what happened. Boaz, which, you know, is pretty significant, probably one of the most richest guys in town, type of Christ, answered her and said to her, I'm just jumping in the middle of the story, it has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. In other words, he was saying, Ruth, it has come to my attention of what you have, you have given up Everything that you had, every possibility that you had with your own people, you've deserted that to attach yourself to this woman, Naomi, who had nothing for you. You've given it all up. You've given your people. And it really is a real picture of salvation. How a person gives up the world 
and goes to the Lord and attaches himself to the Lord. And sometimes in God you're going to find this when God seems like an old dried up Naomi. He can't give you what you need, you feel like. You hear what I'm saying to you? There's going to come a time in your walk when God is like an old woman with you know, dried up breast, dried up womb. He has nothing to offer you at that moment, you think. And every Christian has to find that. Yeah, that's where the good and noble heart is really going to come out in you. It's when you feel like God can't give you or won't give you what you need in your life at that moment because she needed a husband. She needed somebody to take care of her. That's what Ruth needed. She wasn't an old woman herself. She was a young woman. She was, could still have children. Are you with me? And every Christian will come to that place with God where God... For in His wisdom and His knowledge and His power and His greatness says, I will be like to you like Naomi was to Ruth. I, I will not, not that He cannot, but I will not give you what, you what you need in your life right now. I will not do it because i got something greater for you. Because you want something, you would have kept old Piney or Sickly, whichever one she was married to. That's what you would have kept all your life. But I've got something better for you. See, we see the end of Ruth's story. We don't see the beginning. We don't see that her life was going nowhere. Think about it. It was going down. And here she was. She left everybody and went hanging around with Naomi, moved to another nation. Now, that's where a good heart's found. A good heart ain't found. Oh, God's moving. I'm happy. Everything's working. It's exciting. Heck, anybody can do that. It said they did. It said they received the word with joy. Those are shallow people. Who wants to be shallow? You know? Are y'all with me? I'm getting into this stuff. <laughs> anyway, in Ruth 2, 1 through 3, <clears throat> listen to this. Whew! Help me, Lord. <laughs> I told you Jesus shouted now, so don't be getting mad at me. <laughs> it says, there was a relative of Naomi, verse 1 of Ruth 2. Now, I'm talking about good ground. I don't want you to forget this. A man of great wealth. That was Boaz. Okay? He's a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech, who's dead. Of the family of Elimelech, he was, his name was Boaz. It says all that. So Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, now, this is important. You've got to get this right here, what I'm fixing to say to you. You've got to get it. If you're going anywhere in God, if you're going to be fruitful, if you're going to be good ground, if you don't get this, you ain't going nowhere. You're going to be choked or you may be shallow or just somebody stepping on you. People will step on you. I'm going to tell you something. I probably have had my foot on some people's lives, not meaning to, not knowing it. You know what I'm saying? Be careful about that kind of stuff. The Lord will mess with that relationship. Um, so Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Come on, Ruth. Who in here is Ruth? Raise your hand. One Ruth. Oh, two Ruths. Come on, I got two Ruths. Tim, are you a Ruth? Huh? Yeah, good. Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. Now, wait a minute. She didn't know about Boaz. Okay? She was just saying, hey, we're starving over here. We're starving, Naomi. We ain't got nothing. The poor people, there was a law, there was a law back in those days, 
You can read it in Leviticus where the Lord said, don't take, when you reap these fields, you've got to leave stuff behind for the poor of the land. That was a law back in Israel's day. The poor people went out to the field, what the reapers left on purpose, okay, so they could live. You know, God was worried about the poor, not worried like we would be worried, but He was concerned for the poor, to take care of the poor, okay? So they had to leave stuff back. And you know what, who the, this is interesting, this is a side point, but you know who the, the reapers are? In, in the New Testament, they're angels. That's what the New Testament, that's what Jesus said. The angels are the reapers. Somebody was telling me about angels. I was like, I ain't really getting into this angel word, Lord. What does that mean? Then I started reading this. I think, those are angels. That's just, you know. Anyways, that's a side point. The Lord would use angels in people's life, I believe. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. Then she left and went and gleamed in the field after the reapers. And she happened, everybody says she happened. She happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Limelech. So, now this, I want you to get this. That's, that's right. That's a good, good, that's good. Ruth said, let me go, this is what she said, let me go to the field. Then it says, she happened to come to the part of the field. This is how you keep the word. This is how you do it. On the one hand, Ruth had an objective. Okay? She felt something in her life. She felt she had to go and do something. Okay? But it was generic in sense. It wasn't specific in sense. She just said, I've got to go. I've got to do something with my life. I'm not meant to just sit here and die and start, you know, get choked and stepped on and messed up. I'm going to do something with my life. So, so Naomi, let me do something. That's what the church really needs. It needs people who will go and say, well, I, I, I feel something. I'm not, I'm not sure what it is. I don't know what it is, but I feel something. But then it says on the other are you with me? On the other hand, it says, she happened. It's almost like she just fell into the field. Are you with me? You see, here's the way this deal works. All right. It's just having the sense that you're going somewhere, but you don't really know where you're going. Anybody have that feeling? Come on. And the people who got that, look around here. Jim, stand up. I'm going to use Jim example. He has a sense, but Jim hasn't got this figured out. He don't know where he's going. Here's the guy. Let me use him as an example. The guy started out to go to college to be a doctor, right? Kind of. You thought you was. So he goes to college. In the middle of it, you can sit down. In the middle of it, he gets involved with ministering to children, poor children. Real poor children in the Appalachian with parts of the hills. Then he becomes a pastor. And now he's a missionary. And then he's wanting to not just be a missionary, he wants to be a mission agent. See, see, here's what happens to a lot of people. They start out, I'm going to go to college, I'm going to be an engineer. You know, that's what I'm going to do in my life. So you go to college, be an engineer, and you wind up a pastor. You start one place, and you wind up another place. Because you see, you're not going to know every step. It's a series of things that happens in your life. It was a series of things that got her there. It wasn't one thing. It wasn't one step. Jim Hill did not step into being a His Art Missions organization with other missionaries in one day and in one step. And people think that's the way it's going to be for them. But it's not. It's a series of events in your life that lead you up to this moment where you just happen to go in the field and Boaz just happens to be there and your timing and your destiny suddenly kiss or shake hands. You see what I'm saying? That's the way this thing works. It's a process. It says 
They bear fruit with patience. It's in the process of time this happens. See, what you've got to do is you've got to cry out, I've got, I can't just sit here. I've got to do something with my life. I feel something. I feel like I'm supposed to be a doctor. Let him go. While he's going on up there, we'll have him over here baptizing these poor kids in the mountains, ministering to them. And when I'm finished with him there, I'll have him pastoring churches. And when I'm finished with him there, I'll have him down in South America. When I'm finished with him there, I'll have him having people down in South America. And, you know, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's Jim's Boaz. I don't know that that's his moment of destiny, but there are those defining moments that happen in people's lives. But you've got to get there. You've got to get there. You've got to go gleam. Because it says in the process of time, with patience, it happens. You see what I'm saying to you? That's what good ground is all about in the Christian life. Jesus, uh, Jim, Jesus, Jim, Jesus and Jim <laughs> said this to me the other day. It's not, it's, you've got to love the journey. Jesus said, I'm the way. He didn't say, I am the destination. He, yeah, I'm the way. It's on the way in your life. Are you with me? Yeah. person's got to have something. This is the truth. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. You ain't got to hope for something. You ain't going something. Faith has no way of working in your life. You, you, you see what I'm saying? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. There's got to be that. Let me go gleam. That's where faith can operate. And faith led her to Boaz. Faith led her to Boaz. And, you know, the woman whose life was going nowhere. You see, that's the problem. Some of your life's going nowhere and you want to turn back to the world, to the things that did satisfy you. Your life's going up, but really it's not. It's going somewhere. It's going somewhere. You've got to believe it's going somewhere. You've got to believe there's going to come that moment you're going to step into that field and Boaz is going to be there. He just happened to want to walk down and look at this field that day. So, you know, this is the truth. I mean, the gal went from, from gleaming in this field to owning the field. That's what really happened. She went from gleaming, basically being a beggar of whatever's left, to owning the field. Telling the people who's now you mean to leave some of this old poor guy over here. And that's what God has for a lot of people, but they never get there. Are y'all with me? Well, it says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So, amen. That's it. That's all I can do. <laughs> I believe this would help people. I really do. It's helped me. It's helped me because I've always been this, reach this goal, you'll be there. No, when you think you're there, you're not there. Oh, that was just another place. I ain't found Boaz there. Everything in Ruth's life prepared her for that moment. Now, I'm going to tell some of you something this morning. You are running away from the things that are preparing you for that moment. You're running from them. You're stupid. Just get real here. You're just stupid for doing it. You're throwing your life away. You're throwing your future away. Because there's a Boaz that's going to step into the field, the field that he wants you to have, and you're going to miss it. 
Because you are running from God. You've left God. You've let other things choke you. You've let people step on you. You've gotten all happy and everything and things got hard and you ran. Now that's really the truth. And we wonder why people backslide. They need to get a vision about Boaz. Because there's a Boaz for everybody. Are you with me? Or are you mad at me for saying you're stupid? Because <laughs> when I was in Africa, somebody did that and one of the pastors said... He should not have done that. That's what, he, that's what he told me. He was telling me, say, if you get up there and do that, you're in trouble. You know, when you go to other countries, you have to listen to what they tell you not to do. Right, Tim? He said, you know, this guy was calling everybody stupid, yelling at him, fussing at him. I wasn't fussing at nobody. If I'm saying you stupid, it's because I've been the stupidest one in here. You know? <laughs> but I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you the truth. God's trying to talk to people this morning. God really is. He's really trying to talk to you. Man, Ruth, wake up. Wake up, Ruth. Wake up, Ruth. Wake up, Ruth. And you know what happened? You know, she married him. She married Boaz. Got the field. Got all the barley. Had a baby. What was it? Obed was the name of the baby. Boaz begot Obed. That's, you know, I mean, in other words, Boaz and Ruth had a baby. Obed winds up marrying some gal when he grows up. Obed begets a man named Jesse. They get, you know, they, with his wife, of course. Men don't have babies. Obed, you know, Obed, you know, marries somebody. They beget, had this child, and his name's Jesse. Whoa, that's so cool, Jesse. Jesse marries. This woman, and guess what? They have this baby named David. David, the root and offspring. That's what Jesus called him, the root and offspring of David. I'm the root and offspring of David. Powerful. Powerful destiny. She didn't consider her destiny. Her collapse was awesome. Somebody's collapse is coming if you don't get back to your destiny. Or get to your destiny. Get with it. Get with it. Whatever it is, don't, don't let your hobby keep you from God. Don't let your house and your cars, let them be a blessing to you. Let all your money be a blessing to you. Let all those whatever they are be blessings. But don't let them keep you from what God has for you. Don't let them keep you out of that field. Don't let your poverty that you're experiencing right now, your loss that you're experiencing. Some of us experienced some loss. Hang on to Naomi. Naomi's gonna, she's going to get you to the right place. Because, you know, you go on later on, Naomi had to say, all right, Ruth, you can't, you know, this is another story, but she had to really give her some mentoring, some discipleship to help her get in with Boaz. You need Naomi. And, you know, the great thing about Naomi, she wound up breastfeeding that baby, which was like, what? (laughs) Grandma's breastfeeding? How can that be? It's impossible, you know. It was a miracle. But what's what it says? It says he nursed her. I mean, you know, that's what it means when you nurse a baby. I mean, they didn't have bottles back then. I mean, God did a miracle for Naomi. God wants to do a miracle for the church in America, I think. I think he wants to do a miracle for this church. But God, give us some roofs. Give us some roofs. Amen? Okay, we're going to have communion today. And it's, you know, it's late, but let's just do this. Let's have communion um, quickie. Let me tell you this one thing. I want you to get this. This is really nice. This is really good. I read this in a book. Some book 
that was in my bathroom. This is so cool, though. I just want you to see this one little picture. I know it's late, but this is worth the lateness. This is back in the old days when a man wanted to marry a woman, okay? Back in you know, Jewish tradition, I guess. man wanted to marry a woman. They'd have a big party, you know. I guess it was like a uh, get-married party, you know. I want to marry you proposal. Not like the day where you just go and get on your knees and beg. <laughs> but what they would do, the guy, they'd have this big party. He would get a big old nice glass of wine, pour it, and set it on this table. And what he was saying is, this is my life. I poured all my whole life into this glass, and I'm offering my life to you. And at some point during the party, the girl would go, and if she was saying yes, she would drink that glass of wine. Just That meant she was going to marry the guy. Okay? And that was a powerful picture of what Jesus did for us. When he said, you know, I poured out myself. I poured it out. And he wants to say that to people this morning. You know, and this is what we're talking about this morning. We're doing communion. We're not, oh, we're going to go over here and do this and go through the motions and get out of here as quick as we can. I want you to take it like that later. You're going to come out here and take communion. What Jim said was very prophetic about surrender. It's going beyond sur- surrender to, you call it an allegiance. An allegiance. You're saying a marriage. I'm going to marry you, Lord. I'm not just going to surrender to you because I've been fighting you all these years over stuff. I am going to marry you. I accept your proposal today. I accept your proposal. And that's what God's saying to people this morning. You know? He's saying, I want to marry you. I want to marry you. And by you taking communion this morning, you're saying to the Lord, I accept your proposal it's beyond me just surrendering. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna quit and do better and all that stuff. But I'm going to give my life to you. Amen. Amen. So, who's gonna do the? Lori, y'all, y'all gonna do this? Come on. So I want you to think about it when you come up here that you're you're saying this to the Lord. And uh, <clears throat> here's why we're gonna do this to make it really easy. You're going to come up this middle aisle and go down that one. Don't be coming up.